Welcome to Talkin' Giants, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. I know people like, want me to say that. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And Justin, I usually ask you how you're doing to start the show, and if I don't, you get mad. But Justin, I want you to ask me how I'm doing. Whoa! Change of roles, Bobby Skinner. How are you doing on this fine, very late Thursday evening, by the way? I'm doing fantastic, Justin. You want to know why? I'm in a great mood today. It's because this combine has gotten me fully into draft mode. And to be honest, the past month doing draft stuff, I've been a little lethargic, Justin. I haven't been perked up, ready to look at players. But it hit me. It hit me these last two days, Justin. Justin, this morning with my coffee, I was watching uh, Chase Claypool during my lunch break in my truck, Justin. I was watching Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan, and then looking up to see if the fullback was uh, entering the draft. Unfortunately, he's not, but the Giants do need a fullback. So I, I'm pumped, man. I'm I'm all in on draft scouting mode, even though we're not scouts. Yeah, it's been pretty cool to see these kids coming into Indianapolis, uh, kind of letting their personality show a little bit. It's, it's rare that you get the opportunity to absolutely just showcase and like, oh, this is this is why I'm really good at what I do. It's really cool to see how you know these kids that put in that put in such hard work over the course of their short lives, they get a chance to showcase their skills. This was the first night of combine action, so to see guys, oh, this guy ran a forty that was faster than he should have. Oh, this guy had more bench press reps than he did. Oh, this punter for some weird reason had. 25 bench press reps, which was better than which was better than a a six seven 370 pound uh, left tackle. So uh, go figure. Wild combine. It has truly begun. Justin, as we speak, Henry Ruggs, Alabama wide receiver, ran a 40 time of 4.28. Oh my gosh! Justin, ask me again why I'm in a I'm in a good mood. So Bobby Skinner for the second time. And for the second reason, why are you in such a good mood? Al Gogertree is no longer a giant as long as, as well as Kareem Martin freeing up $13 million in cap space. It's making me slur my words like I'm Lou Holtz out here. They're gone. This was a move Justin we knew was coming. Uh, Joe Judge didn't give him a clean slate. But these guys <laughs> clear up 13 mil. Ogletree was just not a good linebacker for the Giants. And it was time for him to go. And now, with that, Justin, the Giants have a big hole at middle linebacker. Isaiah Simmons is a guy that's a possibility. Free agents out there like Schobert and Littleton. But, Justin, it feels good to have Ogletree gone. Yeah, uh, not many people fully knew how bad of a football player he was stemming away from 2018 because he made the flashy plays. What did he have? Two defensive touchdowns in 2018 with five interceptions. So those flashy plays, I guess, put in people's brains that he was somewhat of a serviceable player. And even you guys on Talking Giants, uh, Danny King and uh, yourself, you said, well, he's not as bad as people thought. But, you know, say what you want about pro football focus. Say what you want about their grades. Alec Ogletree has been bottom of the barrel in terms of their coverage grades, the regular season grades, and also the run defense grades. He's been at the bottom, and he's also topped the league in missed tackles almost every single year since he's even entered the National Football League. So He was worse in 2019 than 2018, though. I will say that. I'm not even talking about the interceptions. There was plays like, I remember when we were planning his, his PPP, I went and watched a couple games. It's like, okay, look at him make a play there, look at him play there. This year, I you know, partly was made because of Betcher and because of Bethea. I mean, in coverage, it was just absolutely horrible where there was just not a single play he made besides maybe 
the interception against uh, the Bears and Trubisky when he got up. That which is wild because as bad as he is, that play was like wow, that's a spectacular play. I said on September 9th on Twitter, Bobby, that Alec Ogletree will not be a part of the football team next year. So I had a bit of a celebration day. <laughs> and I was kind of a I was kind of a jerk about it to be honest because I was pulling up all my all of my receipts from during the season and during the summer about talking about how he's not a good football player. So good riddance. Giants have seventy five million dollars in cap space now. That's good. That's a very good thing. Uh, some other cuts are going to be probably coming as well. But yeah, like you mentioned, uh, the hole and interior linebacker, absolutely, absolutely huge, huge, huge. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Connolly's the only guy who's had a start who's under contract, and we know he's coming back from a torn ACL. I mean, the other guys, is, you know, Josea uh, Toefa, some other randos that have, that never even really got on the active roster, Devontae Downs, who did have two sacks on Daniel Jones at Virginia. So that's a, that's a fun fact. But, yeah, we have no one there. So, obviously, I think it might be a position we go in free agency and maybe in the draft as well. I def- even if we don't get Isaiah Simmons, I see it being a position that is definitely going to be uh, picked in the draft, whether it's you know second round or fifth round. There'll be there'll be yeah, somebody be. fresh in there. Has to be, has to be. I mean, it, it, we we talked about when we had our positional coach that was hired, then he came in here, Kevin Scherer. He probably has the one of the hardest jobs because just of the fact that as of right now, uh, he's got one guy in his room. <laughs> he's got one guy in the interior linebackers room. Uh, that's going to be a, and he has a torn very, ACL. very, and, and he has a torn ACL. So frankly, you know, you, you can't, you almost can't even rely on Ryan Conley uh, because of the fact that you see guys coming off, coming off of a torn ACL. They sometimes need that extra year to fully recoup and to fully get their bodies back in the swing of things. You know, think about this. Ryan Conley is not going to have a, a regular off season of training like he should. So he's going to be coming in during the summer, and he's really going to be playing uh, from behind. So the emphasis of just bodies that need to be put in this interior linebackers room, it's probably, I don't want to say it's the biggest need on the team, but you know, just in terms of addressing an, an entire positional group, I would say in that case, it that's that has to be a priority. So, sucks. Justin, I threw, I threw this out there, and a lot of people push back, but honestly, I think it's a brilliant idea, mostly because it came from my head. Now, I think the Giants should go out and get a number one interior linebacker because of Ryan Connolly's injury. So, you know, you could say Isaiah Simmons or you go and get a guy like Schobert from Cleveland or, or Littleton. You're one of those guys, basically. And that's your number one. What do you think about Sean Lee being the number two if Connolly is, is coming back from injury slow and, and he's not ready to start week one or week or week three? And then even if he is ready, having him as a backup – because Lee has been was productive last year. He's been fairly healthy, you know, three out of the last five years. And he had good production last year. I mean, and 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 on top of that, he plays very similar to Ryan Connolly. Yeah, uh, as we're speaking, I'm going to pull up his snap share and his snap count on Pro Football Reference. But the Giants necessarily aren't in a position to be picky. They're honestly not. He saw 59% of the snaps uh, last year. Uh, 22% of the snaps the year before, 60% of the snaps the year before uh, that in 2017. Um, but last year, Bobby, he started 13 games, but he played in all 16. So that's the thing that you know says, oh, that that's good for me. That's that's a good sign for me. Also, now it all depends on what Sean Lee's market value is. I kind of would be in favor. Sean Lee's 34 years old. If you really, and I'm talking about if you really invested in this linebacker position, you go out and you draft Simmons, Ryan Conley is, you know, kind of your number one or number two interior linebacker. I don't necessarily know if you can actually, you know, I don't know if the depth chart really matters for interior linebacker, so to speak. But if Sean Lee can be your number three guy and be a depth piece and not have to be a guy that you rely on every single snap and every single game, you you have to be down for that. Yeah, and I mean... I mean, I remember watching the Monday Night Football game against the Giants. Sean Lee would look pretty dang good out there. Now, granted, he was playing against Jalen Smith, who I think had the best defensive game of of, of any player uh, against the Giants all year. I'm, I said that at the time. It might have been updated from them. I, I can't remember exactly. So, yeah, he's a guy I'd look at. I don't, I don't want to go into the whole, like, free agency plan right now. I just, I just thought that was an interesting thought. You know, obviously the top guys are always going to be at the top of the list, but I thought he'd be, uh, like, a fourth, fifth guy you look at that – 
was interesting to me. Kareem Martin is gone as well. Justin, um, that's a no-brainer. So clears up 13 mil. We're right now we're at about $75 million of cap space. And Justin, it might be freed up even more. Ryan Dunleavy came out and reported that Red Ellison is mulling retirement, which he was already kind of slated to be the third tight end after Evan Ingram and Caden Smith. If both those guys are, are here, you know, mainly if Evan Ingram isn't traded, having him on that contract didn't make much sense. But I also said, Justin, before that we don't really need much more cap space. Obviously, we can, we'll take it. But I know I always said if the Giants wanted him as their third tight end, then you shouldn't cut him. Uh, but it looks like he might be mulling retirement after missing some games due to concussion. Yeah, uh, this concussion caused him to miss six games this year, and it kind of does suck because Elson came in here with a lot of promise. Uh, we went over him in, in our positional review episode where he came in with a lot of promise of a guy who blocks well, a guy who can also play fullback, and he can be versatile a lot of different ways. Just didn't work out in New York, and if he does actually retire, I, you'll kind of definitely feel bad for him in the way that his career ended after coming in with, you know, not a ton of hype into New York, but just being a serviceable football player just has not fully worked out. If you have a lot of cap space there, you know, almost like what's the difference between $70 million and and $74, $75 million. But, you know, cutting him does say $5 million, and $5 million is a, is a decent chunk. And especially if Dave Gettleman does want to keep $20 million of it around to work out some extensions, think of how many guys that are going to be coming off of their rookie deals within the next one to two years. So if we can have more in the bank heading into this year to have possible extensions during the season, even though Gettleman says that he does not like to do extensions during the season, but also just have a lot of money for in-season moves. $5 million is a decent amount. What does confuse me about Dunleavy's article, though, is no matter what, if either Ellison retires or if the Giants choose to release him within the next coming days or weeks, no matter what, the Giants will still owe the $2.18 million in dead cap money. That confuses me because even if he willingly chooses to retire, do we still owe that dead cap money? I have no clue. Um, so that could turn into $7 million if Dunleavy is wrong, which I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, but at the, you kind of assuming he's not, uh, that, I thought that was interesting. Regardless, like you said, $5 million can, you know, it's a, it, you can get a good player for $5 million a year. So if it's uh, if yeah. it's the difference of getting someone and not, obviously Ellison's not a guy you're banging the table to keep him around. I just, I just always said, if you're not, if you're not planning on spending that five mil, cause you know, like they get him an extra 20. So I'd be like, if you want him as your third tight end, just keep it the extra 15 instead of the extra 20 because of he's halfway decent. You know what I'm saying? Like having him as a third tight end, you might have the best third tight end in the NFL, which is, just a bold claim, Justin. <laughs> that would be that would be something we would really hang our hat on in 2020. When Ellison came in, man, it was that year, Justin. I I thought the you know Brandon Marshall, you get Evan Ingram, it's like this offense is going to be good. You got Ellison to be a fullback slash blocking tight end, and man, it just it went to crap. <laughs> Never, year, ne- man, ne- never even, never even utilized in the right way either. In my opinion, he never but, really played fullback. Do you remember Shane Smith um, came in and he was active for like nine, ten games that year. He he was never really used as fullback. No, he should have. So well, we wish the best for your old uh, Reddy Ellison. So Justin, that takes care of the transaction news. The combine is going on. Justin, so we don't dive too deep into the combine. Maybe we'll do that on Monday or Tuesday. I figured we do. We each take two points, and we'll talk about them a little bit. Justin, point number one that you have pulled from the combine. Yeah, uh, and and as of right now, uh, it's simply just uh, some quotes and fun quotes from Isaiah Simmons. In my in my opinion, Isaiah Simmons had one of the most fun quotes and overall pressers on Thursday, and he said two different things that I think we should address. First. When asked about what position he plays, Simmons replied, quote-unquote, defense, and he even threw out the label positionless. Now, while this is fantastic, it excites fans, and it's so fun to watch him. His size and athleticism is absolutely incredible. He is probably going to be a standout athlete from this weekend, and I'm so excited to talk about him on Monday. Bobby, correct me if I'm wrong, but NFL teams this weekend will not fully be looking at him as a corner, as a slot corner, as a strong safety or an edge rusher. They're going to be fully and solely evaluating him as a linebacker. 
now, this isn't necessarily trying to downplay how good of a player he is and how versatile he is because he truly is special, especially when you consider just how big he is. We saw his measurements and, you know, you kind of your jaw kind of dropped to see how fast the guy can move when he's that tall and he's that big. But when evaluating Simmons, we need to evaluate him as a linebacker, in my opinion, because it's unrealistic to think that he can line up everywhere as he lined up as a college player. I agree 100%. This is something I've been trying to like, you know, get across with Simmons. And by the way, uh, Anthony Tomano, just, we just put out a video on the YouTube uh, breaking down Simmons, so go check out that. But yeah, like I, it's awesome that he played corner and nickel and deep safety at times for Clemson. But guess what? In the NFL, he's not going to do that. He's going to play. He's going to play linebacker. Now, I think he's going to be a really awesome linebacker. So I'm I'm not downplaying that. But yeah, we we need to like you said, we need to evaluate him as a linebacker because that's what just to put it bluntly, that is what he's going to play in the NFL. He might line up at like especially if he's with the Giants because we already have uh, a safety in Jabril Peppers who plays towards the box. Right. And again, I want I want to piggyback on your point of I don't want to downplay how strong he is at the inside linebacker position. Here's PFFs. Uh, they put out a graphic uh, a, you know, a little while back. This is the snap count on all the different positions that he lined up in 2019. 116 snaps at outside linebacker, 299 at inside linebacker, 262 at slot corner, 132 at free safety, 100 at strong safety. Now, this is mainly this whole reason why I bring this up is people are saying you know, on Twitter, you know, and I don't, I frankly don't blame people, but I kind of want to, if you're saying this, I kind of want to invite you to re reframe your thinking. NFL teams are not going to be looking at Isaiah Simmons and playing any of these other positions besides interior linebacker, because that simply just does not work. You saw Jabril Peppers, why he really couldn't find his footing in the national football league. His first two years is because they did the exact same thing to Jabril Peppers as they did with Isaiah Simmons in college. They did that with Jabril Peppers in Cleveland. They put him at slot corner. They put him out at outside corner. They put him at free safety. They put him at strong safety. They even, He even got like some 30 snaps at edge rusher for crying out loud. So th- that just doesn't work. And you've seen Jabril Peppers act when he actually settled down into this strong safety slash money backer spot. He's settled down. He's become a lot better and a lot more productive as a player. So Isaiah Simmons is going to have the same thing. He's just not going to be lining up everywhere like he did in college. So I invite you to just reframe your thinking. If that's if that's one of the main reasons that you want to take Isaiah Simmons at four, because he can do that, great. I guarantee you that's not going to happen at the pro level. Right. The only guy you've really seen do it successfully is Honey Badger, and he was a corner. Like he wasn't like, oh, he's a linebacker who do this. He was a corner. And they, you know, played him a safety. And then the last few years they, you know, moved him all around. And, you know, put him in the box and stuff like that. So he's like the only guy who's who's made it work. Justin, my first point is the offensive tackle bench press reps. Tristan Wirfs, 24 reps. Mekhi Becton, 23 reps. Andrew Thomas, 21 reps. Dredgick Wills did not participate. Now, Justin, I had a lot of people football explain me. I, I'm, I'm, that's a new term for instead of mansplain, it's football explain. That huh. tackles have longer arms. So it's harder for them to do bench press because all, all I said, Justin, was that the numbers didn't wow me uh, and people just really ex- hit that home. I didn't say that it made me think any less of them. I just said it didn't wow me. Uh, so, yeah, basically none of those guys wowed me. Mekhi, I wasn't expecting any of those guys to wow me, Justin, except for Mekhi Becton. I was expecting him to wow me in that regard because he just mauls guys in his playing style. And I thought that would translate to the bench press. Um, and like he has like as big he, as much as he's bigger than Andrew Thomas, but he has shorter arms than Mekhi Becton. Correct. I'm glad you brought that up. So I I figured that he was going to pick up like thirty something reps. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he didn't. Listen, he still plays strong. So like I said, it doesn't really change much for me. Um, really, if if he did, it would just been like more of like a uh, like yep. See, it translates. Worfs, I will say, I was wanting to see. I wasn't necessarily expecting it, but I wanted to see higher reps because, honestly, I think Worfs could be an elite guard and follow the footsteps of former Iowa tackles like Brandon Sheriff and Robert Gowdy. Robert Gowdy wasn't an elite guard, but, you know, he's a guy who was supposed to be a tackle and, and move to guard. Wade, that's the Eli Manning draft. Remember that, Justin? Uh, so I was hoping his would be a little higher. 
not necessarily because for the Giants to draft him. Just I, I think that's where he really will excel in the NFL is that guard. But I don't want to. I don't want to tell him he can't play tackle either. So basically, none of these guys wowed me, Justin. I don't put really much stock into any of this. Doesn't really change anything, especially the fact that they were all around the same. Uh, I would have loved to see Jedrick Wills participate, um, but we also have some guys on this staff who know a lot about Wills because they were at Alabama. So basically, I, I'm going to rank my tackles later in a, in a mailbag question. But basically, that's 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 my first point from the combine. Yeah, Werfs is at 6'4", 320, and his wingspan is uh, much shorter, almost three inches shorter than Thomas, Wills, and Becton. So Werfs definitely, if you look at him size-wise, may definitely fit at guard. I loved how you brought up the point. Now, I, now we did say, as we were previewing the combine last episode, that we're not going to be too hung up on measurements, but I think they're just fun to look at. Uh, Thomas does have a larger wingspan and does have uh, larger arms uh, compared to Becton, which is kind of insane considering that Becton is two inches taller. I guess weight weight wouldn't really go into that, but you know if you do consider the weight factor, he's almost 50 pounds heavier. Bobby, uh, I looked up the averages in years past about um, combine measurements, and for offensive tackles, the average for a bench press is around 21 to 23. So all these uh, tackles were pretty much in the average range of where you want them to be for bench press. And I simply think that your tweet that said none of them wowed me because that is actually true. None of them went really over that average of 21 to 23 bench press reps and none of them went severely under. So I actually had somebody comment, somebody with 10,000 followers uh, found my one tweet where I was like, this punter had more bench press reps than Becton. And they were like, well, that's because Becton has like longer arms and the punter has stronger, stronger arm. He says it's physics. That, that was the line that I was given. It's physics. I'm like, first of all, learn to take a joke. Second of all, I really think somebody with, who is 6'7", 364 pounds, and they get out bench pressed by a punter, I think that is simply okay to joke about. <laughs> no, not okay. Justin, did you see the guy that responded on the other end? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna out him because this guy is the worst. His his, his at is at Inc. Guinea, like guinea pig. He said, uh-huh. "I put up these numbers at 198 pounds, 33 year olds working out in my garage gym and working a midnight shift for the four year old and a one year old. This is pathetic." <laughs> what a loser! I hope he listen. Well, he follows the Hawking Giants. I hope by some chance he listens to this. My man, leave us a one star. <laughs> sure. I never want to hang out with you ever. And so, unfortunately, he didn't respond. I really was hoping to. I was really trolling. I, I quote tweeted him and said, you sound like a weak little pip squeaky bo- pip squeak boy. World star athletes. And you're you're comparing yourself in your garage to what these <laughs> men do for a living. You got to love it. You got to <laughs> absolutely love it. Some of our followers oh um, were like, sure you do, and prove it. <laughs> what a douche. What? That guy's the worst. Sh- yeah, I'd never want to hang out with you at Ink Guinea. You, you are the worst. And no duh, what is he doing in his profile picture? Flexing with a caption that says, the grind mm. don't stop. My gosh, dude, you are the worst. <laughs> Those are my favorite kind of people. Those are my favorite kind of people. Also, like, I hate them even more. I I mean, the part of me is envious, but also I hate them even more that they have to shove their, uh, what do you, what do you call that? I don't even see. I'm so, I'm no, well, it's like physical physique. I hear well, that great, great there radio, you go. That, great that's radio and word. great alliteration, physical physique right in your face. I don't I'm, care about that, that, but this guy's saying pathetic. I was like, dude, you're the worst. I don't, I don't care about people who work out and are proud of it, but it's just the, the this is pathetic part that got me really good. <laughs> I, I would have so much fun hanging out with that guy. Just because I'll be making fun of him and he'd be too dumb to realize it. <laughs> All right, Justin, what's Bobby, your which, second? Uh, which, which, which tackle is going to showcase their athleticism more, Thomas or Becton? Thomas. I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm kind of I'm <laughs> I'm kind of concerned that the weight for Becton is going to be something that I I don't know why it's not being talked about a little bit more right now because uh, that's something that he's definitely going to have to keep under control. But 
going up against some of these more speedy edge rushers. I know it's just going to be drills, but evaluating how he moves at that big weight, it's going to be it's going to be a sight to behold. And I think Thomas is going to absolutely blow the doors off of everybody this weekend with just how athletic he is, especially just how good, with how good his footwork is. And I think that's the bigger point. I I'm I think Beckton can move around pretty good. Um, it's just I think Andrew Thomas is a great athlete. I think I like he said. I think he's going to showcase that. Um, Justin, what is what is point number two for you? Yeah, uh, point number two is I fa- I stumbled upon this this website and I found that the Giants have met with more players than any other team pretty much in the NFL uh, when you take into account the meetings that they've had with players at the East-West Shrine game and the Combine. I would say, I now I didn't actually count like individual team by team, and I didn't count how many players the Giants have met with, but it's them, the Falcons, the Patriots, and the Bucks that have met with just an absurd amount of players when you take, when you take into account the East-West Shrine game and the Combine. And I found that to be... Very, very interesting. Uh, the Giants have taken such a proactive approach. Um, I would say the only two significant players that they haven't met with, I don't think they've met with possibly any of the top quarterbacks, and even if they had, I wouldn't take that too seriously at all. I don't think they would. I don't think they should. But they did not meet with Chase Young, and they have not met with Isaiah Simmons. Now, this could change, but... Those are two significant names that are not on that list in terms of players that the Giants have sat down with, either for informal interviews, formal interviews, or anything that has been recorded so far. Right. That is interesting. Justin, I'm going to keep it quick. Mine is just Chase Claypool. I, 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 someone uh, DM'd me saying you should check this kid out from Notre Dame. Six foot four, 238 pounds. And then I was watching him. He doesn't look really fast on tape, um, but he makes plays. So it's like, okay, you know, I get it. He's not, he's probably not the fastest guy in the world, but he makes plays. He ran a 4 4 3 at the combine. Um, I, I, now I also, I understand you, there's guys who can, they'll run fast at the combine, but they don't play fast in football pads. Um, and Claypool might be one of those guys, but I think Claypool could be a playmaker. If, man, if we trade down and have multiple second round picks, he could be a guy that would be super interesting. I mean, he just, he just looks like a lot of fun to play with. Uh, people have talked about him moving the tight end, but, to me, he seems like a wide receiver. You know, there's the, going to be the Evan Ingram comparisons, but to me, he just he looks like a wide receiver. He he looks like a lot of fun. I think he'd be awesome for Daniel Jones. So yeah, I, I thought I just thought that was intriguing. And Justin, honestly, go, like last year, I was like, I'm not falling in love with any combine testing. I don't care how good fast DK Metcalf is. I was like, I'm not falling for this DK Metcalf stuff. This guy who doesn't run routes well. He didn't have. He wasn't even the. the he was the third best wide receiver for Ole Miss. And then DK Metcalf comes out and just balls this year. And now it's like, okay, I'm back in love with the combine. Claypool probably had the most impressive combine out of these wide receivers simply because he was a guy that you didn't necessarily expect to be that quick, especially in the 40-yard dash. He also had 19 bench press reps, and he's at 6'4", 238 pounds. So, yeah, I definitely – I mean, if a guy if a guy's that quick and he's that athletic, you might as well keep him at, keep him at wide receiver, especially for a guy that doesn't block and doesn't seal the edge. Uh, you know, you see – the advantages of having a guy like Evan Ingram line up at tight end, but you also see the limitations of a guy that can't necessarily seal the edge like a Kelsey can, like a Kittle can, and et cetera, things that we've talked about on this podcast before. You look at the Vikings, the way that they have a tight end that seals the edge. So definitely see that Claypool is a wide receiver. Yeah, he probably boosted his stock the most tonight, uh, and that was really, really, really cool to see. Yeah, maybe rugs now that he ran a 4 But yes, he had a very good night. Justin, it's time for our favorite Giants segment of the week. Are we are we sticking with the name Giant Stories? No. Um, <laughs> wow, no. Shoot. What was that? What was that? Um, I I did it off of uh, Days of Our Lives. Um, because you know that the soap opera where there's yes. General Hospital, General Hospital that's been playing for years, and then Days of Our Lives. Um, I think I didn't I call it the Giants of our lives. I don't know what I called it. I have to look on Twitter, but we're not keeping it like our Giants stories. I want to play it off of days of our lives. It was two weeks in a row and we hadn't come up with a name. Uh, I'm going to blame the listeners. You guys, you guys need to, you guys need to give us a, a friggin' name. Write a review. By the way, it's your last day to do a review for the contest. 
Do it right now while we're listening to Giant Stories, Giants of Our Lives, uh, Keeping Up with the G-Men, Firestar Giants. All right, Justin, cue the music. Grant Haley is a liver lover. He's doing some kind of charity with the American Liver Foundation. Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez. Uh, O'Shane Zimenez went to the vet, and then they went to the shooting range together, shooting stuff. And Lorenzo Carter was complaining about Delta being the worst experience of his life. Get over Lorenzo Carter. We all have travel problems. Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and Daniel Jones were in Brazil and were hanging out with Ronaldinho. If you played with him on FIFA, you know how fun that guy would play. Darius Slayton, he wasn't there. He was playing top golf, and he was working out with guys like Frank Gore, Terry McLaurin, Devin Singletary, and more. And the other wide receiver who wasn't there was playing real golf and celebrating his son's first birthday. That's Golden Tate. Weird that he's celebrating his son's first birthday, but he was taking fertility pills. Hmm. Corey Coleman, the other wide receiver, was just working out. Dayon Buchanan and Kareem Martin, who's no longer a giant, but I already put this in my notes, were at the Wilder Fury fight. Man, that was a fun one. Dayon Buchanan also went bowling for, I think, his son's birthday. Dexter Lawrence was riding a custom bike and working out on the beach. BJ Hill was at Salt Bay's restaurant. RJ McIntosh was playing golf with his former Miami Hurricane teammate, Kendrick Norton, who has one arm. And Leonard Williams was snowboarding on Bear Mountain. That is a wild activity when you're a few weeks away from a huge contract. Justin, what of the what of this sparks your interest the most? First of all, I need to absolutely applaud that effort that you just gave. That was incredible. I know. I really enjoy doing it because I think I'm great at it, to be honest. Like that the the quip little funny jokes that were thrown in there, that that was an A plus effort. I don't even write it down. I just it's literally in my notes. Like, here's my notes. Slayton, Top Golf, work with Gore, Terry, Singletary, etc. Tate, real golf, son's first birthday. Um, let's see, let's see another one. Dexter, Dexter, custom bike beach workout. Oh, uh, and the the RJ McIntosh one's kind of mean. Golf, former Miami Hurricane, one arm, Kendrick Norton. That one's a little mean. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was gonna be the the last thing. That was gonna be the last thing that I asked about. RJ McIntosh played golf with a man who has one arm. And they were together. I didn't see him swing the club. I don't know how he lost his arm. I didn't look it up. I should have looked it up for this segment. I would definitely feel isolated if I was on a golf course with one arm and everybody else is out there. Tread lightly, Justin. Tread lightly. Swinging it and having a good time. Tread lightly. The guy's allowed to live his life. Okay. What, you I'm saying I would. Kind of I, freak? No, I'm saying I would feel isolated. Oh no, they were doing top golf. I think. Oh, top golf. Correctly. Oh, oh, I thought it was regular golf. Yeah, I think it was top golf. Takes longer than real golf. Old crack. All right, well, that is true. Him and Bob Menery. Um, yeah. So top golf, have a good time. All right, that's fine. Especially if you're on the second level. Oh, everything, everything looks farther on the second level. Yeah, I like that they're hanging out with Ronaldinho, the core of this Giants offense. Ronaldinho was so much fun to play with in FIFA, man. I would just send him. I would set him up as as a midfielder, and I would just use him as a point guard, man. And it was so much fun to play with on FIFA 06. He was still really good on FIFA 10. I mean, that that cat was fun to play with. Say his name three times fast. Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho. Good job. Never heard of him. A, you've never heard of him? No. He played for Brazil, man. He was the best soccer player in the world in 06. Italy won the World Cup in 06. That's the only thing I. That's the only thing I know about soccer in 2006. What was the biggest moment from that World Cup? Do you remember? Italy won on a walk-off. But what was the big moment of that World Cup? Oh, I don't know. I was eight years France, old. France, player of the tournament. Zinedine Zidane, head-butted a player in the chest. And he got kicked out of the game for that. And he was their best player. 
my favorite World Cup moment is when another soccer player decided to bite people, and he did it like multiple times. My favorite is when the USA gets cheated. That landed wow. Donovan 2010 run, man. There's something special, and we just got cheated. We got friggin' cheated out of it. All right, Justin, is there anything else on this list before we go uh, to the mailbag? I mean, nothing really of uh, great interest. Besides Leonard Williams, dude, what are you doing? You're like, you'd rather get a huge contract and you're snowboarding with your big self? Oh, wow. that's 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 torn ACL territory right there. There's rumor, Justin, that that's how Andrew Luck got his injury. Ooh, you know that all for I'm all for conspiracy theories, by the way. Love them. There's a rumor. McAfee said that actually. <laughs> Out of all people. And, yeah. He, he, oh. didn't, he didn't reveal it until much later until I think after the fact uh, when when luck retired. But yeah, I think I think McAfee was the one who said that. Sheesh, that must uh, I would be pretty pissed if I was Andrew Luck. But I want to bring up two. I want to bring up two things. Grant Haley. The fact that no, the fact that you just said Grant Haley is a liver lover—that's what it says. That's not that, even oh, my joke. Really? <laughs> yeah. The great alliteration made me giggle, made me chuckle, made me laugh. And Lorenzo Carter is right. Delta is the worst. JetBlue—they're good, right? I think that's what I had of my flight. JetBlue's pretty good. JetBlue's pretty good. Yeah. I just know Spirit is the worst. I've never been on it, but I just know it's the worst. Spirit. Uh, yeah, I flew never... on the Cayman Airways, and the literally the drinks was fruit punch and and rum punch and milk uh, jugs. It was pretty wow. ghetto. What a, what a combo! What was nice is no one was on it, so we had like all the space in the world. That is where I told you we, me and my friend, played the bomb game on the plane. Mm. Yeah, don't Didn't don't recommend that. The loudest we got like bomb, bomb, bomb. That was that was the loudest we got. Sure, sure that sure that gave you a lot of satisfaction. I'm sure that that one game made made the trip definitely worth it. <laughs> when we got there, because it was customs, and my ears, I didn't know I, my ears. I didn't I didn't pop them yet. And they're like, oh first god, time. no! They're like they say first time to me, and I couldn't hear. I'm like Robert. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, all right, let's uh. Let's take a break and kick it to Steve from Blues Clues. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. By the way, Justin, I remembered that we, uh, the first time me and Danny did a mailbag, you know, I sang that song. Yes, because you didn't have the soundbite. <laughs> yep. You have to do that again sometime. Serious face. Let's get into the mail. Serious face. First up, William Jeff- Je- Jefferson. Let's try that again. William Jamerson. Now this is, now this question is specifically directed towards me, Bobby. So take that. Justin, almost every other fan is mentioning trading down. Which team, in your opinion, has the most to offer? Well, I am going to go into short detail about two different teams. You would think the Raiders would be one of the teams that has the most to offer. They don't have a second-round pick, but they have two first-rounders and three third-rounders. And if they are in the market for a QB, they may want to jump up. You get Justin Herbert maybe even get Jordan Love, despite the huge mental concerns of of Love's game. He might physically be the most impressive QB in this class. But would the Raiders trade for these picks just to trade them away? Since, you know, we know that the Raiders have done a lot to garner these picks. Would they just trade them away? I don't know. Um, not totally sure, but the Dolphins also have three first-round draft picks this year. They have pick 5, pick 18, and pick 26. So in terms of teams that have the most to offer that are behind us, those are the two teams that pique my interest. The Dolphins would obviously be best-case scenario because you're not moving back. Besides, you know, really. So the Dolphins would be the, the one I would like the most, obviously. Um, but the Raiders, you can get more, you know, second round picks. You could get like second round picks in 2021 or something like that. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm in big favor of trading back, honestly, because the more I've watched these tackles, the more I like all of them besides works. 
you said you're a big fan of trading back because you like these tackles? Yeah. Oh. You would think that line of thinking would be the opposite. You like these tackles so you would be in favor of staying at four and taking best player available. Um, or best tackle available. We'll wait until I get into let's wait until I get into my uh gotcha. the rankings question. How about your that? rankings, yes. Okay. The question for second me. second question, Tim Coffee, do you see Garrett using not just a lot of twelve personnel, but twenty-three personnel more than eleven? Now, this is an interesting question. So I went on uh, personnel grouping frequency by Sharp Football Stats and Dallas last year. Now, this now if you go on this website, Sharp Football Stats, that does the uh, personnel grouping frequency, you can look up, I believe, back until 2018. They don't have data that goes back before 2018. Dallas lined up in 11 personnel 61% of the time. Um, they lined up in 12 personnel 22% of the time. 21 personnel, 11% of the time, and 23 personnel, they only lined up in that formation for two plays in 2019. So, to answer Tim's question, I feel like 12 personnel is definitely going to be used. I think 11 personnel is going to be used on 70% of the pass plays. Justin, explain what those are. All right, I'll, I'll explain what they are. 12 personnel is two wide receivers on the field at one time, two wide receivers, two tight ends, and one running back. 11 personnel is one tight end, three wide receivers, and one running back. And then 23 personnel is, I'm guessing, two running backs, and then three tight ends ends on the field at one time. So to answer this question, not really. We're not going to really be running a lot of three tight end, two running back. Maybe at the goal goal line we'll run it more. But are we going to be running three tight end, two running back at the 40-yard line? No, no, that's just... That won't happen. If Red Ellison is the best third string tight end in the National Football League, I'll tell you what, Bobby Skinner, I want to I want a 50-50 split. I want to be running out of that formation 50% of the time. I want to be passing out of that formation 50% of the time. And I guarantee you, our yards per yards per attempt numbers in 23 personnel would be higher than 11 personnel. Book it. Book yeah, because it. it'd be like four plays. And one would be like an Evan Ingram 80 yarder. But also trends show that passing out of running formations out of twenty more, out of two, out of three tight end two running back that's not a trend that no one I'm does ta- that. no no I'm not taught you didn't you didn't fully listen to what I said passing no. out of running formations twelve you, you personnel not well I no I said run I said running formations passing out of running formations twelve personnel twenty one personnel most oh I'll check the tape for you I'll I'll check you I'll check your face um. Passing out of those formations are more successful yards per yards per attempt wise compared to eleven personnel in I would say most cases, not all cases. So I would like to see the Giants pass out of running formations more in twenty twenty and utilize play action. And I will say that seventy five thousand times leading up to training camp and throughout the summer. Just just a just a heads up. Can't friggin' wait. All right, Justin. Next question. Next question. I accidentally closed down Twitter because I am a moron. Okay. Next question. By Gaza. Superstar. Gazman Superstar. Doesn't seem to be much doubt we need and will take either offensive tackle or defense in the first round, but this is a deep receiver class. Do you think we should pick one up, or would you prefer Amari Cooper or another wide receiver in free agency? Bobby, I've answered the first two questions. Uh, Because I'm a jerk and I didn't get a chance. I didn't let you talk. So uh, you take this one away. If if we're in the second round, and I do believe need is uh, still relevant in the second round, and I know this goes against what this Giants team needs. We don't need wide receivers. But man, if there's a wide like a really good wide receiver in the second round, and if you have multiple second round picks, I wouldn't be mad because you know those you know you get a talent. If Chase, if you believe Chase Claypool is that kind of talent. I wouldn't be mad if you pass him up. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, I, I've I've made the case for Amari Cooper that he's not he wouldn't be much of a if you could get him on a shorter t- term deal, like two, two, three years max, I would love it because you can cut Tate and because supposedly we hear that, you know, you don't have any dead cap with Tate because of the suspension. It's not that much of an increase in your in your salary anyways. Um it'd be an like say even if he got like nineteen million, it'd be an increase of nine million. 
to the cap space right now. So our 75 would go down to 66. Uh, so that's why that's all this. That's where I've said <clears throat> the only way I can, uh, I could see cutting Tate is if you do a complete clear upgrade and that would only be a Cooper. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it is what, what I'll say. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't necessarily think investing money in free agency would be would be the move. I would honestly rather continue to invest in these rookies and get you know maximize these cheap rookie deals. Allow Slayton and pair him up with another guy this year. This you know in this rookie class, you have guys that are going to be together for three four years, and that's something that very much excites me. And it's going to be three four years that they're all going to be together with Daniel Jones. You threw Sterling Shepard into that mix for a few years, uh, and even in, and even in twenty twenty with Golden Tate, it, it it excites you. It excites you, and especially since we don't know uh, the health that is Sterling Shepard and how he's going to you know, how the concussions are going to hold up and whatnot. We don't know what that's fully going to look like in 2020. You obviously hope for the best, but you want to prepare for the worst. So getting another wide receiver in here who could be a diamond in the rough. I mean, Dave Gettleman has shown before that, you know, he's he's certainly whiffed on some wide receivers, but Darius Slayton was certainly a hit. So you have to kind of trust that process and how he evaluates certain guys. I would like to see definitely more of a possession receiver coming in because uh, I think that's just what this team needs more than like a yak guy or a deep burner yep 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 so long story short wouldn't be mad at it just next question jeff boyd the boyd wonder great twitter handle by the way Boyd. so after justin panic that's me after justin panic's comparison between golden and ngakwe would it make more sense to pay golden and keep the familiarity with the team or bring in ngakwe and possibly let go of golden so, yes, uh, Bobby Skinner, I did something on Twitter that got decent, decent traction, and it was just simply looking at 2019, sna- uh, 2019 stats. It was looking at the difference between Marcus Golden, looking at the difference between Yannick Ngakwe in terms of uh, QB knockdowns, QB hits, QB pressures, total tackles, sacks, basically almost every single significant stat that you can find for a defensive edge rusher on Pro Football Reference, I compared them, and... Marcus Golden was somewhat significantly better in most categories, largely because you have uh, the snap share difference, but it wasn't that it wasn't that vastly different. But mainly why I've been, I guess, on this anti Yannick Ngakwe train is because his market value right now, it's at almost $22 million. And if you look at his pro football reference page, if you look at his production that he put up in his contract year, that doesn't excite me. He's had some good production in the past. If you look at his film, and especially if you look at his film in the run game, he largely relies on his speed. So I would almost rather have a guy like Golden or like maybe a Judon who's going to be slightly less, maybe not a lot less money, but slightly less money, but is going to put up similar production. I would probably like Judon more than Ngakwe, but Ngakwe is a better player than Golden. Yes, totally. I don't totally, think you're totally, making totally. the argument that Golden's better than Ngakwe. Ngakwe is a better player than Golden, but Golden's not going to get anywhere near the money that Ngakwe gets. So I'm not really like on the Ngakwe hype train. I'm really not. But I'm not going to sit here and say like I wouldn't be excited about bringing in a player like him in. Listen, I, I don't pretend to be like a, a great at like, oh, this guy deserves this kind of contract. I mean, you, you know, throw some things out there. But I don't, that's not really my forte. But I get what you're saying. Where Ngakwe is not like this perfect prospect, perfect like edge rusher that people make him out to be. And he benefited from having like defensive player Calais Campbell next to him. And, uh, you know, that Marcel, even like Marcel Darius and Malik Jackson, when they, they were there, like they helped out. I mean, they had good corners. Like he had the benefit of having a really good defense around him as well. So I, I feel like I do need to say this because I, I guess I've been, I've been, I've had a few tweets that have been like, okay, this is this person compared to Yannick Ngakwe. Did the same thing with Leonard Williams. And even Leonard Williams, if you put his uh, numbers with with the Giants on an eight-game pace, it it shows that it kind of sheds Ngakwe in a negative light, but Ngakwe is a great player. Just don't think he deserves to get the Giants' money, which would be top-notch you know, around $20 million on an a- on an average annual value. And here's the thing, Bobby, because we do need to remember this, that if the Giants were to sign Ngakwe, we probably would need to throw a few extra million dollars his way because of 
you know, New York has a, New York has a state tax, state income tax, and states like Florida do not. And that's why you see a lot of these big free agents. They like to go to Florida. So I love Florida. Basically, I love Florida. I love our I love our laws. I love land. I love our laws. This one is going to be very quick. NYG Life sign Vernon and Brady to prove it deals with the fire emoji and two <laughs> laughing face emojis. Um, here's here's what I'll say about this. If Olivier Vernon will take a veteran minimum contract to play for the New York Giants, I will say yes. Oh my gosh, you're the only person. That every single person that gets cut, there's people like, can we bring him back? And I was on that. I was guilty of that with Chris Mukamara because I think at the right deal would actually make a little bit of sense. But Vernon is the only one I haven't heard that. And the Tom Brady stuff. And Justin, this is why I got on you the other day. It's like we can't do the rumor. We can't play the rumor game, or we're just going to be chasing. We're going to be chasing rabbits for the next, you know, two months. Uh, the Tom Brady stuff. It's just so silly. It's just people. People just buy it. People just buy it anything. Then blogs are written about it. And I get people have to do their job, but it's just so, so silly and so dumb. All right. He Long asks, time no here. Yeah, fr- friend of the show. Wonder where he's I been. I thought he hated you because I hadn't heard from him in a while. Sheesh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There was a long time where he didn't follow me. Now he started to follow me. So I think we're friends now. Uh, Bobby. Where do you rank the four offensive tackles? Okay, so I've watched three games of these, three full games. So obviously, you know, and we're not going to watch 12 games of anybody until we draft somebody. We made that decision, Justin, because one, we're not scouts. And two, we're not, we're just not going to watch 12 games of players uh, unless we, we don't need a QB. So we don't need to do that anymore. So I've watched three of each. Number four. I'm ready to do my rankings out of the three games for each. And I watch and, and against the best competition. Number four, Tristan Wirfs. I like Wirfs. I think he has really good hands. Like he has good hand replacement. I just see him being a, as a guard. I really do. I, I see him being like an elite guard. So Tristan Wirfs I have at number four. Uh, I think his feet aren't great. Uh, he opens up his hips a little bit. Nate Solder has kind of like just scared. Anytime someone opens their hips early, I get scared because of Nate Solder. But that's obviously something that can be worked on. So Tristan Wirfs would be number four. Number three, I struggled with this one. And I might even draft this guy number two. But number three, I got Mekhi Becton. Guy's an absolute mauler. And I, this is going to come off as like a, a criticism of him because he's number three. But I think these three guys are really good. Mekhi Becton, I, I think he's he's a mauler. I think he's going to translate. Uh, I think he's got good feet. He's, you know. The bench press obviously wasn't wowing, which is, I, I get, hey, long arms, I get it. But Mekhi Becton, I like him. Number two, Jedrick Wills, man. The problem is with Jedrick Wills, he was the last guy I watched. But I watched him against uh, Michigan live, and that was right after Anthony joined us, and he had, like, his first breakdown for us was uh, Jedrick Wills. And it, he was not good against Michigan. It was not. It was nothing spectacular. He kind of was bad in his technique. So I kind of was low on Jedrick Wills, but then I went and watched him against LSU and then Auburn, and the guy is legit. He has really good feet. I mean, he has like a, a wide base. He gets low. He's good in the run game. I like Jedrick Wills. And then number one, which I don't think this is a surprise to anybody for me, is Andrew Thomas. I think he's an athletic freak. He dominated uh, uh, Chasen and LSU, and even when he was lined up on Sheldrick Lawrence, who was another you know guy who's going to be in the NFL from LSU, he dominated those guys. I think he's given up like 37 pressures. Ever in a, in, in uh, with Georgia, like all three years, uh, he is a beast. Uh, he's got a, a, maybe a couple things to work on. Sometimes he crosses, he's crossed his feet a couple of times. Me and Anthony broke that down. Uh, but I think Andrew Thomas is a flat out beast. Justin, I think I got Jedrick Wills a little closer to uh, Andrew Thomas than I originally thought he would be. Honestly, I'm at a point where. If like say if Andrew Thomas has some like trouble like like um what's the what's the word I'm I can't believe I'm missing it uh, character concerns mm. I draft one of the other guys and then between Beckton and Wills I would go with which guy which guy do you think is going to put in the work harder uh so I, I like all th- basically what I'm saying is I like all three of those guys a lot yeah Wills and Thomas is closer than I than I thought if you were to ask me one week ago I would have said clearly Thomas but Wills and Thomas is a lot closer. Uh, I'm not going to rank mine right now because we're running a little low on time, but I like that four. I, I like the four. I like the ranking, uh, but know you that Wills, 
I know. Yeah, he did only ask. Yeah, that is, that is true. So uh, screw screw me. <laughs> Justin Gookins. Got, I don't want to say that. That seems like I said that wrong. Gawkins, Gookins. I apologize if I said that wrong. But Justin, great first name. I know somebody else who's very close to me who also has that same name. How about a Daniel Jones and Saquon stat prediction for next season? Now, Bobby, my response to this question is stay tuned for the PPP player profile projection that we do during the summer, because that's the whole point of those episodes. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to please our listeners with Daniel Jones completing 72% of his passes. Jeez. Um, 4,800 yards. Wow. Um, 47 touchdowns, three interceptions, two of which were tip passes, um, about 400 yards rushing with three touchdowns. And then Saquon Barkley, uh, 6.8 yards per carry. Um, 1,982 <laughs> rushing yards, you know, let's throw in like 800 receiving yards, um, and 20 total touchdowns. That's, that's my, uh, those are my predictions for those guys. I think you're a little conservative on the 800, 800 receiving yards. <laughs> hey, I got a winner's mentality. All right. A little, little conservative there. Giant 77, whatever, whatever team zero. Love that. Gary O asked two questions. Restructure Solder at what price? That's the first one. So let's attack that one first. At no price. No restructure. Do not restructure Nate Solder. Let as much cap get off the board this year because we're he's gonna be stu- he's gonna be on the roster, and then it makes it a lot easier to cut him in 2021. This is true. This is true. I don't think he's going anywhere. And also, why would you restructure if you're Nate Solder? Because why I would never want to say, hey. Let me give, let me, I will volunteer to take less money from you. Well, no, that's not what it is, is it would just move like guaranteed money into a, like, I mean, he restructured the beginning of, of 2019. So ba- basically it would be like, re- like pitting like say 5 million more guaranteed money uh, in 2021 than 2020, um, which would make more dead cap for 2021. So there's with 75 mil and maybe 80 plus mil in cap space. There's no, there would be no reason to restructure solder. And then Justin, I, I know he's asked another question and someone else asked a similar question. Right. And this is going to be mean. One, we're running short on t- time. I'm banning all what do you think this guy's contract will be questions. I, I can't stand those questions. I have no clue. It'll be a literal guess. I try, we try to be informed as much. I can't, do the, I can't do the what do you think this guy should get questions. I just can't I can. do it. I hate him. It's, I hate him. It's, pu- it's publicly available information on SpotRack. Publicly available information. It calculates their market value. So I will answer this literally quickly. Um, Blake Martinez. I was looking up his. Cal- I was looking up his uh, market value. He has an average annual value of around sixteen million dollars. So Kyle Van Noy, Damn. I'm guessing, would cost a little bit less than that since Van Noy is three years older than Martinez. Sixteen mil for an inside linebacker. Get out. Yup. It's it's wild because um, Bobby Wagner is getting 18 mil a year and CJ Mosley is getting 17 million a year. So he's going to get slightly under that because he's not as good as those players. And then what off, what would you offer Jadavion Clowney? Jadavion Clowney is not accepting a deal for anything less than $20 million a year. So there you go. Oh yeah. Well also Jadavion Clowney is very good. Don't let the, don't let the people who say that he's hurt all the time, uh, tell you that he's not good because he ha- we we can go over this more in our free agent episode, but he's very very good. Don't let people tell you that he's not good. Uh, just don't know if Gettleman would go after him because Gettleman does very much have this philosophy of I am going to invest in people that show up and play on the football field. I feel like he prioritizes that sometimes more than sometimes actually like your your playmaking ability. I was open to Clowney. But you know who reported, and we're not doing the rumors game, but you know who reported the rumor for Clowney? Matt Lombardo. No, worse. Josina Anderson. <laughs> Josina. I do not want her anywhere near our team. When you, when Josina is reporting on your team, that is bad news. I mean, the Eagles fans went through what we went through with Odell. Alshon Jeffrey was her little, like, goat. I do not want Josina Anderson anywhere near our team. It just means... It means your quarterback's going to get bashed. Maybe even literally. Like her boy, Miles Garrett, bashed a quarterback's head. So uh, just keep, stay away from my team, Josina. Dang it. We got rid of everybody who talked to you. We got rid of Landon. We got rid of Odell. We got rid of Olivier. Stay away. Stay. 
Now we did. I have to. I have to acknowledge we did get a voicemail from Sean Suffer from Western we Pennsylvania. Voicemails. We did, but he left a voicemail. Sean Suffer from Western Pennsylvania. He left a voicemail asking about Jadavion Clowney. Um, would we be interested in possibly making him the highest paid pass rusher this offseason? Um, Play the voicemail because that's not right. He left okay. a voicemail. We need to hear his voice. Bad guy move. Here we go. Hello, gentlemen. This is Sean Suffer from Western Pennsylvania. Leave a voicemail for the next episode. Okay, gentlemen. Five years ago, the Giants went out and paid for the services of one Olivier Vernon. With the news out today, should the Giants seek out Javion Clowney with his injury history and make him the highest paid pass rusher this off season if the cap availability is going to be in upwards of $85 million after the two cuts this week if they make any more cuts. Is this a good idea or is this repeating past mistakes from the Jerry Reese final years? Thank you, guys. God bless. Thank you for calling in, my friend. I'm sorry Justin tried to suppress your voice. Yeah. Now, remember, Dave Gunnelman did say first day of the combine and, you know, the media day where he was able to speak. This is the only top tier edge rusher that Dave Gunnelman thinks is going to be available. So I will I will leave I will leave this point with that and that topic with that. Maybe we'll get Chase Young. That's that lit- that that is a thought and that is a theory that is resting in the such the far back portion of my brain and i refuse to give it any credence yet i refuse <laughs> i'm 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 right there with you honestly all right we got a voice we got another voicemail right one more voicemail dylan rivera day 1 hey boys it's uh dylan no holds bad rivera is calling in um, ooh good accent i just had a couple questions about the combine see if you guys could answer them um so I, I can tell Justin likes Jeffrey Okuda a lot, but um, do you think there's any chance that we seriously, um, you know, think about either trading out and still trying to get Isaiah Simmons, or is there somebody that you guys prefer that um, might be a better fit um, with our scheme that's coming in? Because I'm not too familiar with it. I'm sure you guys have done more research on it, but um, – yeah, I'm not really sure what our defensive coordinator wants to do. Patrick Graham, I think his name is. But uh, Jason Garrett, I think that Saquon, Daniel Jones, man, even could be a resurgence for Evan Ingram's career. I'm not sure about the medical part, but the way that they use those tight ends down in Dallas, I mean, at least every time they play the Giants, it, it destroys us. So hopefully we get a little bit of that good juju on our side there. And uh, I'm probably making this voice not too long, but keep the show going, guys. I friggin' love it. You guys are my favorite. I love interacting with you boys, all right? Have a good one. Go Giants, baby. Very simple answer with this one. I kind of had this real – not a realization, but I, I kind of have this thought. It may change in one week. It may change in two days. It may change after watching this combine. But right now, if you're going to take a tackle, and if you want to take a tackle, if that's the best guy on your board, if that's you know if that's your gold jacket guy that, gave, that Dave Gutterman likes to call it, if that's your guy, you take him at four, you don't look away. And it has to be a left tackle. Has to be. And I say you take a left tackle at four for positional value reasons. If you want to take defense, if defense, if a guy in defense is your best guy, if Isaiah Simmons is your guy, if Okuda is your guy, I say you have to explore a trade back either to five or to eight or to nine or to ten. You count you make a calculated decision on when you think this guy is still going to be there. And then you either take Okuda or Simmons on defense, but you have to try and explore a trade back if you are going to go defense because the position just will not be as valuable as a left tackle. Yeah. I think the Andrew Thomas train is starting to come back around uh, because real NFL people are being like, Andrew Thomas is the number one tackle. Um, Everybody that works that like, isn't actually a scout, but scouts. I'm not. I'm not taking shots of those guys, but it is what it is. Real NFL people are. are they have Andrew Thomas as their number one tackle. Um. So yeah, I I think Andrew Thomas might be the guy. I don't know. Uh, I really would like to trade back, honestly, uh, just because there's so many holes, and I under like as much. And I get crap for saying tackle, but there's so many holes on this defense. I mean, we talked about inside linebacker to start this show, Justin. We have a lot of holes on defense. I don't think. We can trust corner. Now, free agency, we'll answer some of those questions most likely. 
Correct. So Correct. And at the moment, I would say trade hope. back, but that could change. Yeah, and, and really, that's the hope. If there's one now that I, you know, I've said on, I've said before, time and time again, I really wish the draft was before free agency. But I guess if there's one, if there's one off season where it's actually really going to help the Giants, you know, to see how much resources and how much can we stock up on defense, because the Giants have to, they have to, have to put a lot they really do need to put money on this defense they have you know and i know this has been a point that some other podcasts have had but the giants have the least amount of cap space allocated on the defensive side of the ball compared to the rest of the league uh you know this is partially because of drafting and they have a lot of draft picks on that defensive side of the ball but they really really need to and you know so hopefully this free agency can work out to a point where we can feel very very comfortable you know even though there are some holes on that defense side of the ball we can feel very very comfortable trying to shore up the second most valuable position and second most important position in the game of football, that being left tackle. Yep. All right, Justin, do we have any more questions? Nope. That is it. We need to start making mailback episodes their own their own show. Because this is great. <laughs> I love this. I love this. This is absolutely great. Yeah, this was, this was a fun episode. Um, we'll be back to two episodes next week. Justin, I do need to talk to you. We maybe do a Monday episode, um, and I'm going to disguise it as that's when the Combine ends, but possibly I want to go to the Orlando Magic game Monday night, so maybe a Monday, maybe we'll have a Monday morning episode. All right, you you let me know. You let me know. I'll have to talk to Justin off air. Remember, today, while you're listening to this on Friday, is literally your last day to do the contest for the t-shirt, and then Justin will be picking all the winners out of a toilet. On Sunday, it's going to be Periscope, but I can't friggin' wait. Um, and so make sure to leave a rating review and then send it to one of us or the Talking Giants page. So we'll see you guys next week. Enjoy your weekend. I know I will. Watch some basketball. Watch some combine. Spend some time with the family. We appreciate y'all. Until next week, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>